Welcome to the Business Maestro with Kerry Wood, talking all things development, growth, team harmony, and getting the best for you out of your business. Every week, Kerry auditions industry leaders, business owners, and individuals who have increased the tempo on their business growth. For a direct line to Kerry, join the Business Ensemble on Facebook. Here's the thing. Kerry is straight up and straight down the middle. There may be some politically incorrect stuff coming your way. If you're into the no-bullshit type of learning, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Kerry Wood here, the business maestro, the Auckland Centre of Business Excellence. Today, our podcast, what a spectacular day. Every now and again, you get to do a podcast and you get to talk to someone that lights your fire, that really gets you up in the morning and goes, holy crap, Batman, this is worth listening to. I need to warn you, the next 30 or so minutes is going to be a little bit on point. So if you're politically correct, a little bit of a powder puff, I would suggest strongly you hit the stop button now and go and listen to something else because... We're going to hit you now with some really life-changing, business-changing, um, some stuff that, that I think you're going to find interesting. This man, I had the great pleasure of being at a conference last year when he spoke, and he spoke for far too short a period of time, and then he did a workshop, and the workshop was for far too short a period of time. He wrote a book that I acquired a copy of, and if you're a client of, uh, of mine at the Auckland Centre of Business Excellence, you would have done a workshop on exactly this. Now, I'm going to admit now publicly in front of him that I plagiarised and stole a lot of his presentation and all of his work. Such was the quality and the impact it had on me. The topic we're going to talk about is really interesting. It's called optimism. And I'm not even going to try and explain what it is till I introduce my guest. But, but the man has written a, a, a book called Optimism, The How and the Why, and he's I would say the world's greatest authority on this, and it's I am um, overjoyed and uh, beyond happy that he's agreed to share some of his share some of his valuable time with me. So, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Australia, um, a great man, the writer of Optimism, the How and the Why. Welcome to the Business Maestro Podcast, Mr. Victor Purton. Thank you for coming, my friend. It is such an honour, Kerry, and and you are an inspiration because I just love your mantra, your your motto, which is we deliver dreams. So you do that with enthusiasm, you do that with joy, um, and you know how to lift a room. And I still remember, you know, that conference in Adelaide when we meditated together before we started the conference and your comments and your empathy and what you shared with the group actually moved a room of 100 people um, extraordinarily. So you... Kerry, and not only a man of charisma, but but a man that moves people. Goodness me, uh, thank you very much for that, Victor. Uh, Victor, you know this has been recorded, and I will now have that in memoriam that, that Victor Purton said that about me. You know that, don't you, Victor? But, and Just it's well-deserved. It is well-deserved. <laughs> thank you so much. Hey, Victor, look, your, book's on, your book on optimism, the how and the why, when you wrote this book, the first question I have for you is, why why a book on optimism? What made you the successful diplomat, the successful business person you are? Uh, what made you take on such a, a wide-ranging and, 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 and amazing subject of optimism to put it in a book? Which, by the way, if you haven't got this, ladies and gentlemen, you need to buy this. What made you take on that as a subject in a book, Victor? My, my life, um, you know, as you know, my parents came to Australia as refugees and my father died when I was pretty young. Life wasn't that easy, but... You know, I was really fortunate. You know, as you always say, you know, your first team is your family. 
And, you know, my mother was, was a huge support, you know, as a, a, as a widow, um, working uh, to put my kids through school. And then success came relatively easily, you know, as a young barrister, as a member of parliament. Um, but 2006, I'd had enough of politics. It, it's become too negative globally. And so I left. And to cut a long story short, I then went to the United States as Trade and Investment Commissioner. And everywhere I went, there was this extraordinary positivity towards Australasian leadership. You know, the, the stereotype of Aussies and Kiwis is so positive. And, and you know, the, the chairman of Caterpillar said to me, you Aussies remind me of the Americans of 100 years ago. The, the CEO of the Rio Olympics said, you know, I want Olympic Games like Sydney, a legacy like Melbourne 56. And then I had an even more extraordinary experience, which was senior advisor to the G20 presidency. And at that super elite level, you know, and your Prime Minister John Key was invited um, to that G20. Um, again, at that super elite level of presidents, prime ministers, finance ministers, there was this same incredible level of trust in Australasian leadership. And then for personal reasons, I came back to Melbourne in 2015 and I was astonished by the negativity. And, and it's the same things happen in New Zealand. There's negativity towards leadership in general, negativity towards calling yourself a leader. So I set up a thing called the Australian Leadership uh, Project. We interviewed two and a half thousand people. Um, and the qualities of leadership that, that we found that, that make Aussies and Kiwis different from the rest of the world is egalitarianism, we talk to the cleaner the same way we talk to the chairman. Self-effacing humour, you know, like you and me. You know, we take our work seriously, but we laugh at ourselves. And thirdly, no bullshit plain speaking. Now, if those are the three qualities of Australian and Kiwi leadership, there's millions of people like that. Yeah, and that's why our countries are so good, such great places to live. So after that project, I was still perplexed by the negativity in the midst of such riches. And I was lucky enough to give a speech on the final panel of the Global Integrity Summit in 2017. Um, and that speech was the case for optimism and it changed the mood in the room. Your former prime minister, Helen Clark, said, Victor, turn that into a book and I'll endorse it. So my first book, The Voices of Optimism was actually endorsed by Helen Clark, who was then the head of UNDP. And yeah, that set off a whole set of speeches and workshops and you know, you and I met in Adelaide at the Australasian Conference of, of Action Coach. And then late last year, people said, look, you've, you've got to turn this into a movement. And that became the Centre for Optimism. Centre for Optimism in the space of six months has two and a half thousand members in 54 countries. Um, and there's just this yearning. Um, the head of Disney um, put it really well in his recent autobiography. People are yearning for stories of hope and optimism. And you know, optimism is not Pollyanna. It's not saying COVID's not a problem. The, the best definition of optimism is a belief that good things will happen and that things will work out in the end. And some people, of course, add the words, if it's not the end, if, if, sorry, if, if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. And, and I recently did a meditation on uh, Mother Julian of Norwich, who was a 13th century mystic. Um, her book is the oldest surviving book in English written by a woman. And her famous phrase is, all shall be well, all shall be well, 
all manner of things shall be well. And she lived through the Black Plague and persecution. Um, so for me, um, it's a matter of persistence. Um, it's the underpinning of resilience. Um, and for your business clients, you know, you can't be innovative unless you're an optimist. You can't be an entrepreneur unless you're an optimist. You can't be a strategist unless you're an optimist. And so for me, it was this amazing, almost, you know, if you want to be mystical, you want to be spiritual. Um, it was like God talking to me, you know, after two and a half thousand interviews and being bewildered, I worked out what the problem was. The problem is not the problem of leadership. The leadership in our two countries is pretty good. The problem was the fog of pessimism. And so I've devoted the next 30 years of my life to supporting people like you, Kerry, who are the beacons of light in the fog of pessimism. That's amazing, Victor. I take on board what you say about our leadership. I, I, I think you're right. I think in Australia, New Zealand, I think we are very egalitarian. I think we do, you know, we, we, we do do very well looking after each other. And I think we are self-effacing. With the new way the world's been politically correct, every now and again, the only way to have humour is to, is to have a go at yourself in front of people because if you have a go at anybody else, well, you know, use someone. Then, but, yeah, and I, I think that... Uh, you know, both countries, uh, Scott Morrison and, and Jacinda and, and the politicians we have here, we, we, we do tend to to, um, to have a much plainer, more direct, no, no bullshit um, approach to our leadership because this is what we have to do. Currently in New Zealand, we are in a, seem to be in a good place with COVID, which is knocking the world around. And I think it's because we, you know, we, we've, we've just gone forward. And it's interesting, whenever we have a, a discussion about that, the negative Nellies, the people who want to see doom and gloom, um, are um, are most interesting because they, yeah, they're not accepted. You know, here we want to go forward, as do you. So, no, that's great. Um, thank you for that. I'd like to read you a quote, by the way. And by the way, I have your book here because uh, I do use it dashed frequently. Um, you don't charge a royalty each time you use a page of the book, do you, Victor? It's just you, it's just just checking. Kerry, can I, can I just tell you my favourite story of the book is yes. I did a number of sessions in prison yep. and I had drug traffickers and murderers and after one session there was this very tall, strong young man um, and he was in there for murder and he was still a bit sour at the end of the session and I said to him, look, why did you come? And he said, well, the guy in the cell next to me came to your last session and ever since then he's meditated every day he keeps a gratitude journal and he reads me one page of your book every day. And he said, if I came to your session, you'd give me a copy of your book. And Kerry, I think at that point, you know you've made a difference in someone's <laughs> life. I, I, before I ask you my next question, I'd, what I'm going to do is after, before each question, I'm going to read you a quote. By the way, uh, the reason they invented highlighters, everyone, was so you could highlight sections out of Victor Purton's book. Here's one. Uh, Sophie Davis, who was the Australian ambassador to Colombia and Venezuela. I don't know if you remember this, Victor, but very brief quote. My optimism comes from my belief in humanity, that most of us want to do good for each other, and the future is our destiny. Now, why I like that, just before we close this question down, is that I always say to business owners, the business reflects the person. If you are a good person, you can build a good business. If you're a sod or an asshole, then that's then you, you know that's the sort of business you'll build. My belief that most of us want to do good for each other. 
We do. We're, as human beings, especially, especially in this part of the world, we don't want to do someone a bad turn. We want to do it well. Yeah, so that's my quote out for, for this. But okay, Victor, everyone in this world's got friends, um, even you, even I, uh, or even people listening. So, you know, we're going through life. How do you... How do you impact the the a friend who who how do you how do you take someone on a journey to move from a negative place or a place where they're pessimistic or a place where they're not in a good place? How do you how do you help them get into the into the the the, the, the world of I'm going to say the world of light and I don't mean that that probably came out all, all all dashed wrong but you know the world where where they can see that optimism is their only way that that it's only you know to quote someone else when something goes wrong it's only one segment of the Mandarin. It's not the whole Mandarin, and it's probably only one segment in the Mandarin, in the bag of Mandarins, if that makes sense. So how do you how do you move someone? How do what what as an individual? You and I are both reasonably optimistic. You you insanely so. Me me just an inch behind you. But how do we how do we move someone who you know in, in, to, to see that you know there is good stuff happening around them? Um. So yeah, this is a more intimate question. So this isn't you and me working you know, doing a big seminar or yep. working with a client. This is a friend yep. um, who's going through a bad time. And, and can, I'll just qualify this. Why I ask it is in New Zealand at the moment, because of COVID, some people have been slapped bloody hard. Um, I don't, you know, we've got unemployment here like we haven't had for, you know, ever and ever. We've got parts of the of the economy. I've got clients who are in tourism and hospitality and nothing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bloody good business coach, by the way. Uh, announced last month, Mr. Mr. Putin, seventh in the world. Thank you very much. Um, but you know, you can't when you haven't got international tourists. What do you do? So, how do you deal with that person? Yeah, intimate, one on one. Yeah, and 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 you know, I've, I've had to do that recently. One of my friends in New Zealand, his business has gone under. Um, one of my strongest supporters in Melbourne, her business is completely closed. She can't do anything. Um, but what's interesting about both of them is that they are natural entrepreneurs. So they immediately bounce back with new business models and the like. You know, during these times, you know, in Melbourne, we've got incredible levels of COVID infection. Um, it has spread into the elderly citizens' villages. People are dying. So, you know, we know that we are going to have friends who are going to go bankrupt. We are going to have friends um, who are going to get sick. Uh, we do have friends whose intimate relatives are going to die or become very sick during this period. So the most important thing, firstly, is the empathy. You know, you, you don't walk in as a radical optimist and say there's a silver lining in every dark cloud. You've got to let them talk and, and you've got to let them, you know, share what's with them. And in fact, the first conversation might not have any optimism in it at all. The first conversation may be just a listening um, an intimacy, an understanding. And then as you go forward, you know, you may in fact share, you know, share something like I, I shared the, the quote from the mystic Mother Julian, you know, all shall be well, all shall be well. You know, it's the natural course of things. You know, we generally bury our mothers and fathers. You know, the greatest tragedy for a mother or father um, is that they bury a child before them. So, so in this case, it's, 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 and you're really good at this too, Kerry. It's this ability to listen to someone, to look them in the eye, to understand their suffering, and then gradually to lift stuff in. And in particular, you know, if you listen to the news these days, so the news, radio news, whether it's New Zealand, Australia, America, um, radio, television, newspaper news is 95% negative. 
So people, if they listen to the news first thing in the morning, um, it's just horrible for them. So, so the, the first exercise I try to get them to do, if they're open to it, um, is gratitude journaling. You know, and the best formula for that is the one that, that the guru of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, came up with. And that's keeping a little journal by your bed or even a scrap of paper. And at the end of the day, writing the three best things in the day. And they could be quite little things. You know, my daughter gave me a big hug before she headed to school, or I listened to this fabulous podcast on Kerry's series. Um, but you pop those three in, but the key is not just writing it down at the end of the day. The key to this is reading it again in the morning. Whether you're sitting on the toilet or whether you're having coffee or you're still in bed, don't listen to the news first thing in the morning. Read back your own gratitude. What was good about yesterday? And then that the next exercise that, that, that if they're open to it, I'll do is the one the American military now uses, which is called My Best Self. And funnily enough, um, the Vienna Medical School produced a report last week on sleep and optimism. And one of their findings was that their, their belief is that this My Best Self is one of the best interventions. And so what you do is with a piece of paper, best off on your own without someone else there. For 15 minutes, you imagine yourself six months hence, one year hence, two years hence, five years hence, and what your best self will look like. And you wouldn't do this every week. You wouldn't do it every month. It's one of those things you do every two or three months when you're really reviewing where life's going. Um, and that's one of the fabulous exercises. And then, you know, there's, we'll talk later about, you know, the habits of the optimist. But I think someone who's in crisis, you know, someone who's sick or grieving, um, whatever's happening, the most important thing that the infectiously optimistic person can do is not to be a Pollyanna, but it's to literally be there and help to absorb their pain. That's amazing, Victor. Um... Yeah, that's, that's, thank you. Yeah, that, that is amazing. It is interesting in my world and in your world, listening, I think, is, is truly one of the greatest skills you can develop as, as you get. If you want to be more successful, listen better. Someone must have said that, I'm sure. Um, I, I, if someone hasn't, then I'll claim it. Um, but, it, it, yeah, thank you for that. That's, that. that's amazing. And it is in, in my world and in yours at the moment. Uh, I've just I've come from a client to to this, and the client's got some challenges. And you, you once once they enunciate them, and you I'm not to say you question what they're saying is not right, but you you get them to talk more about it, and they suddenly realise as they talk more, they realise they're solving the problems. You know they're oh okay, and you get to the end of it, and yeah they've still got a problem, and this is this is this is as it is, but this there's a way forward. And by the way, we've just been them and I have just been talking for 10 minutes and having a cup of coffee and we're still alive and their wives still love them and hey the sun's come up and the All Blacks are still winning and you know so so we, we keep going very good actually you've just brought up something it wasn't on my list but I'm now gonna go just to the left a little bit Victor um habits of optimists you brought it up my friend uh, and I know you would have done hours of preparation for this question hours and hours so give us give us a rundown what would be the habits how would you recognize what are the habits for of an eternal optimist so the one I start with is smile smile like an optimist 
and and it's too easy to forget to smile but smiling um is it, it lights up your world it lights up someone else's world so it, it starts in the day as you say you're with your, your spouse and your kids um, grandkids um, get up in the morning and smile at them and then smile at strangers you know walking down the street uh, hard hard where i am now because we're all in masks you've got to smile with your eyes but but to say good morning to greet people whether they're strangers on the street or people who are intimate i think number one habit of the optimist is smiling and then you know my one um is ask yourself and others what makes you optimistic so you know, everyone who's listening to this it's going to be worth either stopping the podcast at this point and, and just contemplating for a minute or two what makes you optimistic and then the real trick is to ask other people what makes you optimistic and we'll probably come back to this uh, but that's my nailing of of what is decades of positive psychology research actually asking people what makes you optimistic and one of the things that actually makes me ill Kerry, is when I go to a board meeting or the like, and the chair says, oh, and what's keeping you awake at night? And I look at them and say, nothing keeps me awake at night. I hit the pillow, I go to sleep. Ask me what's going well, not what's worrying me. And so as a ritual for a business or the like, once a month, uh, once a quarter, at the sales meeting or the like, instead of what's keeping you awake, what's worrying you, What's making you optimistic? Another habit is a really good one, and you mentioned it earlier, is think like an optimist. Um, you know, when something goes wrong, when there's negative thoughts in your head, oh my God, the world's falling apart, or you've listened to the radio and, oh no, you know, they've buggered it up again. And just say to yourself, well, what's the opportunity? You know, mm. what can I do about this? And then daydream, you know, daydream like an optimist. You know, I know, you know, teenage kids in school classes get knocked about if they're dreaming off into the distance, not paying attention to the teacher. But, but daydreaming like an optimist. And I talked about, um, you know, the notion of my best self. Um, so daydreaming is important. And then one that, that really tends to resonate with people and is a, a lifelong change for them is use the language of optimism. So to use sweet words, to use happy words, uh, to infectious words. And the experiment I'd like everyone to try, because in Australia and New Zealand, if you ask someone, you say, g'day, how are you? 60 to 65% of people say, not bad or not too bad. Well, yep. that's a wasted answer. It's a wasted question. So what I'd like everyone listening to this webinar today, this podcast, is instead of greeting someone tomorrow or the rest of today with how are you, say something like, what's the best thing happening for you? And they'll stop, they'll look at you because no one's ever asked them that question before. So, you know, g'day, what's the best thing happening for you? And don't you interrupt, let them look at you and say, oh, that's an interesting question. And of course, they might share something that, that, you know, creates a bond. Now, from your side, so the second part of the experiment, and, and just try it for a day, maybe try it for a week. You get a refund on, on this podcast. Um, if total refund, work, total refund, Victor, total refund. Um, is when someone says to you, how are you? 
pause, be very theatrical. Say, thanks for asking. Um, I've just had a really interesting business meeting or God, I had a good weekend or yeah, but don't just answer good, terrific or the like. Answer, say, thanks for asking. I've had an interesting X. Mm -hmm. Then another one, Kerry, is, is positive affirmations. You know, just as, as my prisoner reads my book every day, um, you know, you read my book out to audiences, um, read positive affirmations, but also write positive affirmations. And the one that I really love, um, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, grab a red lipstick, stop the, the podcast now, go to your mirror and write down the leader looks like the person in my mirror. Write yeah. it on your mirror so it's there until you know, someone cleans it off. But the leader looks like the person in, in my mirror. Another one, Kerry, is, is manage your time like an optimist. And I was really lucky. This um, leader of a, a religious movement called the Brahma Kumaris gave me my three rules of time management. And she was a woman in her 90s, still flying around the world, making 45-minute speeches without a script. And she said to me, if someone invites you to do something, here are the three questions. Will this bring me great joy? Will this advance my mission? Is it something I must do? And if it doesn't meet any of those three criteria, say no, it's wasted time. And then look, I've got another 15 of these, so I'm gonna stop, otherwise our podcast will go forever. The most important one is to surround yourself with optimistic people. So when you're choosing people to have coffee with, when you're choosing people to be around your board table, when you're choosing people to have a dinner party with, look, sometimes you're gonna to have to invite a family member who's a pessimist, but if you don't have to invite a pessimist, don't do so. And one of the most successful business people in Australia, um, his quote to me was, I only have optimists around my board table. I can hire the pessimists by the hour from law firms and accounting firms. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Victor, I'll take the opportunity to share some, um, as a direct result of what you've just said and my taking on board two things you've just said. And I'd like to share with you and get your feedback on, on when we, when you spoke at the conference in Adelaide and I, 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 I took on board a lot of, as of that, as of that point, every coaching session I have now, when you when I walk in to my coaching session, you know, you walk in and or the client walks in, I ask them this question, and you'll recognise the question. What's the best thing that's happened to you this week? And then I shut up, and I've got a range of clients, as we all have a range of friends, and some pause, but there's no way they can say something like my wife left me the, the world. Do you know what I mean? They, they, and now what happens is because I've been doing it now for 12 months, because I think it was a year ago when we met, when I walk in, they've actually, because I have long-term clients, they know, guess what? They know what the first question is going to be. And the first question is going to be, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? And then I just, as I say, I shut up and, and they'll say, oh, well, this, and what they've learned is I have actually a little interest in, if it's about work, I don't care if it's about work, their son playing soccer, their wife getting a new dress, a car, I don't care. This is the best thing. Is it? Well, that, and then we have a conversation about, I, I, I initiate conversation about that. That's great that your son scored a goal on Saturday. I bet he was ripped. Did you take him to the pub for dinner? He's nine. Well, that doesn't mean you can't take your nine, you know. And the other thing I'll share and is that, as a direct result of the Adelaide conference, I, when someone asks me, and all my clients do, and 
at every business meeting you go to or every social function, they go, how are you? And you tend to go, oh, I'm okay or pretty busy or, you know, the, the standard 63 answers. I now, I, now, I now do this, I don't know if it's a theatrical pause, but I now pause and I go, actually, you know, right about now, I'm really, and I say this, I'm really excited and then I tell them why. That, that is beautiful. Yeah. And the funniest thing is people who you don't know look at you and go, he's on drugs. Where's that white powder? What's going? And the, you can ask my wife, you can ask all my friends, like I mean, you go to a restaurant. We went out for you know, dinner the, uh, last night. The waitress comes up and goes, hi, good evening. How are you? And I go, actually, you know, I'm really excited. And I tell her what, and the waitress goes, and, and from then on, she's back at the table and how are you, Mr. Wood? And what's going on? How's your wine? And, you know, and, but it's just the, the little pause. And then actually, I'm quite excited because, and they're really, oh, that's, and it actually doesn't matter what you're excited about. You can be excited because you found a car park outside, which actually what was the truth of the matter was, was raining and I found a car park right outside the restaurant. So I was bloody excited about that. But but she was just, and so, yeah, so those just, just yeah. I, I really take share one with you, Kerry? Certainly. So the other day, there's a, a, a duck business in Australia called Lover Duck. Yep. And uh, they've got a, a factory outlet just near my home. And I went in the other day and the shop lady said, I love it when you come in. You always make me feel good. And it's exactly as you say, Kerry. I don't go in there and mumble and grumble. I go in and I ask her, what is the best thing happening? And it, it makes an impact. You know, because I was yep. uplifted. Just imagine me. I was walking on air for the rest of the day. Yep. But it was this lovely exchange as you had with the waitress. And I'm sure many of your clients are copying that approach. Well, the thing is, when you leave and you hop in the car, the wife looks at you and goes, were you flirting with the waitress? <laughs> so there is a downside. You know, you do get, you do get slapped when you hop back in the... But, but, but it, I actually think, honestly, I think it makes people's day. You hop in a lift, you're going up. Someone goes, hi, how are you? And they're fully expecting you to say, fine, oh, okay, yeah, it's good. You go, actually, I'm excited because, you know, I've just come out of a meeting with Victor. And you can actually see them going, oh, okay, well, yeah, mm, mm, mm. You know, you can actually feel. And even if they're not interested and don't know you, they don't leave the lift going. Yeah, anyway, enough about that. Victor, the world is getting a smaller place, a much smaller place. You know, there's, there, you've, there's stuff like it's so easy at the moment in the world with Facebook, uh, email, internet, all of that stuff with social media to be hammered into submission. And, you know, um, we're doing a podcast here and and uh, you may, I may say something wrong respectfully, you know, and then someone picks it up and it ends up on Facebook or or Snapchat or one of these. And, and so, so how do you maintain sometimes in the face of, you know, the, excuse me, the crap that can come your way through no fault of your own, this optimistic go forward. How do you maintain it in this, in this day and age when 90% of what you get coming at you is, is, is just negative bullshit? Yeah, so I come out of politics, you know, where, where you know, people attacking you was normal. And so I, I still remember my, my wife, or then wife, um, I'd come back from Parliament and the news was all about, you know, this big attack I'd been in and you know, people criticizing me. And she said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel fine. She said, but I heard on the radio. And I said, yeah, but that's their job. Yep. That's their job. And, and 
Another friend recently told me that the, uh, the thing, and given you're allowed to use um, Australian language on this broadcast, um, another friend said, described the circle of people who had been trying to undermine me. And he said, what pissed you off, Victor, more than anything else, was you'd walk into the room and you'd smile at them all. And you'd ask them about their kids and their family and what's good in their life. And, and it was, in fact, a weapon. Yep. And I still remember, you know, um, the cleaner at Parliament came up to me one day. He was a Greek guy. I won't do the accent. But he said, Victor, you know, you know X. I think you trust him very much. I think you should not trust him. And so, look, you, if you keep smiling in, in the face of it, um, now it takes robustness. I've got a particularly, you know, deep well of positivity. But even, you know, all of us, you know, that um, notion that, that some psychologists talk about it, all you need is one negative statement and you need five to counter it. So someone rings up your business and says, you know, that piece of work was terrible or, you know, your, your quote's too big or whatever. And people tend to dwell on the, the negative rather than the five people who praised them. And that's when you need to surround yourself with friends. That's when you need to surround yourself with positivity. And even today, I mean, the city of Bendigo on Friday launched a month-long campaign of optimism. And look, I couldn't have written their press release. It was just so uh, laudatory of the work that I'm doing, the Centre for Optimism is doing. Um, and, you know, the newspapers are full of it and people are tweeting LinkedIn. And today in the newspaper, there's someone criticising them. So what I do nowadays, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter or anywhere else, I almost inevitably go back to the person who's criticising me with a dose of kindness. So I say, thank you for your statement or wish you the best. You know, when someone unsubscribes to your newsletter, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, why don't they want to be a subscriber to, to my yep. newsletter? And particularly for all businesses now trying to use email and, you know, MailChimp and um, all of these things. And, you know, you've got a thousand people on your mailing list who are happily getting your stuff and one person sends an unsubscribe. You sort of look at it and say, oh, nowadays what I do is I happily delete them from the database and I send them a note to say thank you and I wish you the best. So, so for me, with a deep robustness, I find that actually being kind and grateful to those who are being unkind and ungrateful um, is, in fact, the best way both for me and probably for them. It's, it's interesting. I work in the business, as do you, but and I, I have this major uh, uh, focus with my clients who work doing prices, doing tenders, uh, uh, purporting for work and um, you know they do all this work uh, uh, for a tender let's let's pick a number out of the year million dollar tender for supply of something and they don't get it and they're mortified and um, uh, it's it's interesting because there's two things are the, the Martin uh, your the, the, the guru, yeah he um, he had a, a thing um, called PEP it's not permanent. It's not everything, and it's not personal. Are you? Are, are, so you've lost the. You've lost the. Um, you didn't get the tender. Well, first, it's not permanent. It's just one tender. Blah blah. Secondly, it's not everything. You've still got your family, your wife, your health, the son, whatever, and and it's also it's not. Um, it, it's 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 not permanent. 
It's not everything, and it's not personal. You know, they've made their decision based on, on what, so I work on that, but here's, I'll see, see, see what you think of this. I make all my clients, every quote, every tender, every proportion, proportion, purporting they do for business, once that's, and they don't get it, I make them then make an appointment with that company over a cup of coffee to thank the person for getting taking their time to look at and, and look could you give us some feedback please Victor on why I, we didn't get that because obviously we want and, the, do, and do better next time it's a really interesting thing because my clients go I don't want to do it uh, I go hang on it'll cost you 15 minutes or and a cup of coffee or maybe half an hour uh, but at the end of the day you're not it's not actually about being professional it's about um, being uh, prof, uh, being human, having humour, uh, building up because this person, this purchasing officer, this company will be looking again. And if you're the guy, the optimistic guy, going, "Hey, how? Thank you very much. I didn't get that." The more bitter you are, the, not bitter, the more negative, the more whatever. Then the more it will be reflected in everything you do. So ring the guy, thank him for looking at your tender, thank him for that information. You know, interestingly enough. Um, when I lose a client, which doesn't happen very often, so if any of my clients listening to this, don't don't leave just for this part of the equation. I always send my cli my clients. I leave a, a quite a, a quite a nice artesian uh, box of chocolates, a very nice artesian box of chocolates. I want to point out, um, quite quite nice, and the re the response you get is amazing. You get these fine calls. Well, why? Because they know it's like this isn't a dollar thirty. It's not a box of roses chocolates, and they know this and they get it and they go, "Oh, hi, Kerry. It's um, you know, Victor here. Uh, look, we've just finished our coaching regime. We've done this. We've done that. We just got this really nice gift from you, and you can actually hear in their voice that, what do you want out of this? Look, Victor, I don't want anything out of it. Thanks so much for working with us for the last couple of years. Really impressed by how you've gone and what we've done together and look forward to catching you up for a glass of wine in the next little while and hope Rose, you know. And you can actually hear on the other, and here's the thing, what do you think happens in our business, Victor, what do you think happens to our referrals, our word of, my, our word of mouth testimonials and the recurring, our clients who come back to us? Do you think it's higher or lower than the industry standard? Well, you're number seven in the world, Kerry. So the answer is evident. And it, well, thanks for that. it comes back to, I mean, what we were talking about earlier, you know, the epitome of Kiwi and Australian leadership is egalitarianism. We talk to everyone. Self-effacing humour. You know, you are a great man at laughing at yourself. There's plenty to laugh no, at in my case. And no bullshit plain speaking. And, and people love that. But the most important thing, Dominic Barton, the head of McKinsey, Yep. He said to me, you can have 60, 70 qualities of the leader. The, the key leadership trait is infectious optimism. Right? Um, Jeremy Johnson, who was head of the Chamber of Commerce in Australia last year. Um, I actually interviewed him four years ago when I was doing a database search on optimism. He, in fact, his quote was almost identical to Dominic Barton about the infectiousness of optimism. And Iger, you know, who, who built Disney back up into an absolute world leader in movies and entertainment, his new book on leadership was now a couple of months old. Um, he has 10 qualities of the leader. What's the top one, Kerry? Optimism, I would suggest, Mr. Pern. Infectious optimism. There you like go. You. I want to read you another quote, Mr. Ms. Ms. out of a book that I have uh, called uh, Optimism, The How and the Why, written by a great author named Victor Pern. I want to read you this quote. Optimism is the only strategy if you want to be successful. How many naysayers have made a difference in the world? 
It's, it's, it's truly great. Victor, we, we, we haven't got a lot of time left because I know you're a busy man and um, and some so, and, and I, with it, I, I need to do something uh, with my with my sons um, this morning. Um, so I have one last question for you. The future at the moment, we are in the world where the, the world's coming out of this COVID thing. What's the best thing we could do as as human beings, as Aust as New Zealanders and Australians, and and anyone who's listening from any other aspect? What what thinking about optimism as a tool? Think about optimism as a tool to drive change, as a tool to drive success. What's the things? What are the, the, the few things you would say we should be doing um, to, to to make it to, to actually get a better society from the, the challenge we've had to get a to, and to get a, a more successful, more robust society using optimism as a core tool? So I had a group of young men and women come to me the other day asking me how they could change the thinking of their colleagues on the circular economy. And I said to them, well, how can you change their thinking? As Gandhi said, the only person you can change is yourself. So number one step for every one of your listeners now is to pause the podcast and sit down and write down what makes you optimistic. If you need some referral material, you can go to the centerforoptimism.com and there's a 10,000 quotes there to inspire you. You can buy the book, as Kerry said. Um, but sit down and write down what makes you optimistic. Is it family and friends? Is it faith in God? Is it faith in humanity? Is it life experience? You know, everything works out in the end. So sit down and write it down for yourself. Then the second thing to do is to go and ask someone else you admire what makes them optimistic. And if you use social media, LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, Make a nice slide with your quote and your friend's quote and do two posts. Now, we all live in communities um, or we live in companies, or we live in small businesses. The thing I'd like everyone to think about is what's the legacy you're going to leave from the pandemic? And in fact, what's the Christmas gift you're going to give? So it doesn't matter whether you're a company with 100 people or 10 people. I'd like you to think about doing this, creating your own little book of the voices of optimism. So X electrical in Tiawamutu. Wait, you, you pronounced that right. Well done. You, Tiawamutu, well done. My ex-father-in-law was born there. <laughs> and just have a little booklet that's the 10 voices. And, and it's as Kerry would coach you. It starts with you and your partner or one of your kids. It is then your favorite customers. What makes them optimistic? Then your staff, maybe, whether it's five or 10. Um, and then it, it's the broader community. And if you produce a little book, it could be paperback, it could be PDF, it could be hard copy, what a gift you will give to your family and to your community if you produce your own little book, as I did, of the voices of optimism. And then the last thing, um, you know, Kerry said, what's really you know, pushing your buttons at the moment? Um, there's an inland city in Australia called Bendigo. It's the biggest inland city in Australia. And last week, they published a press release and declared a one-month campaign of the Voices of Optimism. And so, you know, whether it's Auckland um, or Tiawamutu um, or Invercargill, um, have a think about talking to your local mayor or the CEO of your local authority 
and say, why don't we build a wider community campaign for optimism here? Bendigo in Australia is doing it. Let's do it here too. But it starts with you. So it starts with the person who's listening, sitting down, writing down what makes them optimistic through the pandemic and beyond and sharing that with the people around them. Victor, we've taken far too much of your time. I, um, I am in awe of your your knowledge, your optimism, your your giving of yourself. Um, and uh, as a as a coach in New Zealand, working with the business community, uh, we, we need to we need to have a discussion offline about the Centre for Optimism in New Zealand, Mr. Purton, because if there's not one, and I, there dashed well should be, and there should be one bloody soon. Um, it's it's great. Um, Victor, thank you so much for your time uh, today. If, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't got more notes out of this than than you you should have, then I I am then I am shocked. You should have paused the podcast seven times and gone away to exercises. If you're not using your own red lipstick to write on the mirror. The person in the mirror is the leader. You need to seek permission right now because that might cause you a little bit of grief. But I've been overjoyed with what I've learned. Um, and I think if, if, you, if you take anything away from this last 50 minutes, it would be ask yourself what makes you optimistic and then ask someone that, what makes them optimistic. And then remember that when someone asks you how you know how are you how's your day don't say one of the bland bs answers that gets you out of it pause think about it and and put a statement in there well i'm optimistic about this or i'm excited give them something that thinks holy heck the guy i'm talking to is is a leader is worth being a leader in in this and the next thing is you know when you when you're when you're asking someone uh how their day was don't just ask how their day is say What's the best thing that's happened to you today or, or this week? We have an opportunity in New Zealand and in Australia to be to be the world's best part, to be the best part of the world. And I think optimism will take us there. And with leaders and uh, authors such as Victor Purton, I, I have no doubt we're going to be there. Victor, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, have you got any final comments you'd like to, like to make, um, Mr Purton? Well, I'm just overjoyed. I, I'm so grateful to you, Kerry, for this opportunity, because every time you and I talk, there's this natural pathos. It's, it's you, you have this natural ability to lift people up. And of course, in talking about what I'm doing, I've got the ability to concentrate my mind. And the other thing I'm really grateful to you for is um, I haven't updated my book for some months now. And in the face of COVID, um, I'm going to set myself four hours on the weekend to start doing that little update that'll make it even better. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kerry Wood. I am the business maestro from the Auckland Centre of Business Excellence, and we have been just doing it with Victor Purton, the author of Optimism, the how and the why, probably the world expert on optimism. Listen to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to it again and send the link to other person. This message has to be shared. Make it a movement. Really make it work. Our next podcast will be in a week from today. But listen to this and listen to it again. Thank you very much, Victor Purton. You're a great man, and I look forward to sharing time with you again. Kerry Wood, Auckland Centre of Business Excellence.
If you took something away from this podcast, or if you know someone that is on their business journey who will find this really valuable, be sure to share this wealth of knowledge with them. And don't forget to subscribe however you're listening to this. And if you're a business owner who needs a bit of oomph, join the Business Ensemble on Facebook and continue today's conversation. 